0: Wondering Bears Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Wondering Bears Podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Max Marshall and Anna Jay. Max is the curator of the Delhi Gallery Space in New York and online platform, The Latent Image. Anna is the newly appointed art director of Refinery29 in London. Hope you enjoy.
1: I mean, Anna, how do you guys deal with... I mean, you work at a company that is about... I don't know what it's about but I perceive it to be about like image and self-representation and
2: how do you negotiate that with like your own personal Instagram your own personal Facebook and like how you blur those lines or keep those lines
1: separate
3: I think like in terms of my my Instagram it's not too personal I kind of see it as uh something that I quite enjoy to do like visually um, I study photography but I'm not I wouldn't call myself a photographer and it's probably the only space that I make images that I like to put out Mm -hmm. like publicly and then I see Facebook much more personally but Mm -hmm. I think you know refinery is all about women being able to claim power and feel like empowered so I think
1: maybe it's easier to separate because
2: the the goal of refinery is like a a larger sort of manifesto
3: yeah
1: what one person can teach.
3: yeah I think so but I think it's important to like look at personal stories and, like we kind of work with a lot of individuals it's not just like the masses so I think yeah I definitely see my social media platforms quite separate
1: yeah <laughs> and, it, and it's, it's weird for me because I run this photo blog and it feels so separate from my life and that I mean, latent images, not me, basically, at this point. Like, I've been doing it for so long,
2: and, you know, it just basically runs itself. It's become its own machine. Like, even though my Instagram handle is, like, the blog's name, I don't post anything about contemporary photography at all. Um, and I almost feel bad for having, like... X amount of followers on Instagram they must be so disappointed <laughs> <laughs> that like it has nothing to do with photography. it's like some weird or like obscure cropped like picture of like a peach or like some weird like reflection of like a rock or something. But I
0: guess in a way, your Instagram account is the manifestation of all those influences and all those work that you post online mm. so in a way it is connected.
1: It's not something that I've thought
0: about but
1: yeah. I mean, I'm kind of a believer that I mean this is kind of the
2: the main goal of latent image is like you do one thing if one artist does something over time without knowing what it is or what what they want to do or how they're gonna do it, but if they keep making and making and making over like forty years it will make sense because you're one person and you make something with one vision. And that's just sort of how I treat the blog. Is like, I hope that, I mean, I have no idea when it would end, but I hope that at the end of it, there will be some sort of archive that will make sense. And like, you'll be able to examine
1: photography for the past decade or whatever. When did it stop? start doing the blog? Uh, June 16th, 2010. So it's been...
2: Exact. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't go back to those first posts. They were so bad. And you still find them. Yeah, if you... The only way to do it... I guess maybe you could do something with the URL. But Like a cheat? Yeah. Forward slash
3: archive?
2: There's an archive page on it. If you scroll all the way to the bottom, which, God help you, if you have that... Amount of time in your life to do that. Um, you can see the post, and it's it's embarrassing. I mean, I was I didn't know what I was doing, and like you like worked it out. <laughs> you're smiling like you've done this before. No, no I, <laughs> I moved the chair, so I got some mean oh, oh, looks okay, from so the rest sorry, of the sorry. table. So nothing to do with what you were saying. It, it's like I was posting photos of paintings. God forbid, like Renaissance paintings. I was posting photos of like. Um, like hockey photos for some reason. I don't know. Like the first week was really rocky. It it started out as as like a journal of like a visual journal of things that I wanted to save. And then getting more and more into photography, um, a visual journal of photographers that I like. And then over time, it just became an examination of like trends and tropes and like
1: things that accumulate uh, and make sense
0: over months or years that's great that you didn't go back and delete those things yeah that you kept I, I get, I'm assuming maybe you did delete something but if you didn't no, and you just no. kept it and um, it's kind of amazing it's like that online documentation and you start off and you have these hockey images but you're like, <laughs> it's super embarrassing kind of shit but I'm kind of still into that you can just keep it and I am yeah you can see I mean
2: I love hockey yeah yeah, it's it's me, and I, I'm not like a big deleter. I think. I mean that we were starting to talk about this before we started the podcast, but like, you know, maybe you weren't part of this conversation, but people sometimes email me to delete photos that have been published years before because they don't like them anymore, they don't fit into whatever in their series, and I generally don't I generally don't reply or which feels awful to like admit publicly but I'm just like a believer of like the internet and the way that images are spread and how uncontrollable that is and I guess it's not uncontrollable when I have the control but I just like the virtue of the internet
3: But I think there's such an interesting line which is sometimes quite fine between like social platforms Blogs
1: and mm-hmm.
3: branded websites, which have some part of their business which make money, um, so the permissions change so vastly over such a small difference. Like mm-hmm. there's some really prolific Tumblr blogs where, like, you can you can post anything from the internet; it's fine. Whereas, like, if you've if you've got a name, and if you've got a brand, and if you're a thing, then you can't post anything without explicit permission. Which is, I don't know, it's interesting. Because the internet has just become such a public
1: space. Is it? I mean, are you saying that the internet has become such
2: a privatized space or, like, a corporate-sponsored space? That... Yeah,
3: I think there's just a big difference between someone, like... There's a freedom about, about being able to run a blog and, like, put whatever <laughs> you want on there. Like, you know, I'd, I'd love to curate a selection of images and post them online as a, as a group, but I couldn't do that
4: because mm-hmm.
3: I would have to email every single one of those people and probably get them to sign a contract to so say that they can have their image shown this way. So, like, it's a luxury.
1: I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but
2: I assume that I have no right to reproduce people's images most of the time. But... I think
3: because it's under Tumblr, I think it's okay. If it is, I don't
1: know. That's kind of how it
0: feels. Everyone's just like... I yes it's okay.
3: I think everyone's there's a, there's like a big part of the internet which is like suddenly being like wow we need to like crack down and there's a lot of laws we need to follow but then the other half is like public domain. Like sharing is caring kind of.
2: Yeah, I I mean my thing has always been I'm I'm very serious about attribution that like you give credit where credit's yeah. due and that is my obligation and beyond that I don't feel obliged to do much. Um, I mean, the times when I've changed things retroactively have been, like, someone's emailed me being saying, you know, this was actually a collaborative project with another person, and then, oh, I'm sorry, like, I'll go in and add the other person's mm. name, because that makes sense. But in terms of, like, removing things that I've found on the web, because I'm constantly looking at people's sites, and, like, looking at blogs, and things come and go, but...
1: Just trying to capture things as they come along. How do you guys find new work? Ooh.
0: Well, we used to we used to find new work. I guess the reason the whole the whole Wandering Bears was set up at the beginning was because we didn't f- see enough work that we liked. So yeah, we, That's the same same reason for my blog too. It's yeah, like, I think I think we I didn't didn't like st- photo blogs. We must have started around the same time because. Yeah. There were a few blogs about, but we just felt there wasn't enough blogs representing what was going on in photography in England anyway, and in our area at that time. So we just started posting kind of our friends' pictures and other websites that we would find. Um, So at the beginning, that's how we found work. And I guess as we've evolved and people have found out more about Wandering Bears, then we get emails. Um, which isn't always the way we find work. And I guess we find less and less work because we're maybe not actively seeking that work at this time. Um, but yeah, we have the emails coming in where people would, would show us their work. But I guess it tends to be more often than not um, from a university level, from a college level. So it's people that we've never heard of um, that you wouldn't have seen in a magazine before. Because I guess that's kind of part of what we do is we always try and show work that um, hasn't been seen. Um, Why is that? uh, Just because I think you can pick out work that is really intuitive, really different. um, That is really raw at that level. Like when, you know, you can go back to when you studied at university And when we studied at university, you kind of are influenced by many things, but then you can create something completely organic and completely raw. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the level of photography that we like because there's that potential there. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's sometimes spotting that potential and seeing something completely new and completely different and Mm -hmm. maybe the beginning of someone who could then go on to do great things. Sure. You want to support something that's beginning,
2: it, it feels more valuable to you to support something that's beginning than something that's already been established. Absolutely.
3: I definitely agree with that as well. I think, like, it's, it sounds crazy because, like, we've all gone through the art school, university uh, process and when you're that age, you're, like, desperate for, like, people to see your work and, like, I find that I'm constantly looking for new work and I'm looking through, I'm trying to find, like, universities, like, having websites with their graduates and it's just not, <laughs> it's not there I'm like I want to commission like young photographers who've come out of university who are like fresh and have got like new ideas but there's just not that platform for for them to be shown I think it's really sad I feel like universities need to be better at promoting their graduates
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I guess what I guess what was interesting is when because obviously we graduated in 2010 so that was six years ago now and at that time, we were really intimate with the people who were graduating after us and the year before, and we were really supportive of that work. But now we're six years down that line. I guess we've slightly lost that connection with the, the completely new people coming out. Um, and so maybe we find, we find it harder to, to find those, those people. I think that's why, like, degree shows are really... Quite a good place to find yeah. find yeah. that is that something you have in That's America? I pay attention um, a lot too. Yeah,
2: there are certain. Um, you're talking about undergraduate degrees, but I, yeah. I pay specific attention to graduate programs that I can like go to online. Whether they're West Coast things or a lot of Northeast schools have MFA shows that come through New York. I mean, living in New York, it's, it's such a luxury to. Have like Hartford, Yale, Columbia, like NYU, like SBA, all all these things are there basically. And I mean, the Yale MFA program has always been something that I've focused on on the blog specifically because they have a really good website that they always list the first year, second year, and they run their own website. So there's all these like interesting backgrounds or like, Wallpapers that the student student themselves can upload, and they have links to their own sites, and it's something that I have posted about twice a year
1: for the past six years, and it's a way to stay like connected with the sort of output that's happening right now. Um, but you guys never have worked with more established photographers.
2: I think we have, yeah, but I mean, well, like. Outside of, I don't know, like, established in our circles or established in, like, yeah, commercial it's,
0: circles. It's, you have to say, I mean, we put on the spot trying to think of people. Um, we definitely reached out to people that you would consider, like, established. I remember, I don't know who it was, maybe Peter Sutherland or Tim Barber, one of the guys, we tried to get them involved in the show, and they said, mm-hmm. like, oh, it sounds like a great idea, but we don't do. They said gorilla shows anymore, <laughs> which is like, fair I enough. I think it was Peter Sullivan, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was nice to get a response. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we definitely tried. But I mean, that was kind of the core mission statement from Wandering Bears when we started, was to kind of give these people a voice who yeah. hadn't been featured anywhere yeah. else. And I mean, when we were at uni, I remember that was just the most exciting thing. Like you said it, Anna, like you just want to... Have your work shown because you're kind of looking for that confirmation that what you're doing is the right kind of thing, and yeah, you are onto something interesting.
3: Yeah, and I com- on confirmation that like you can have a career in mm. what you want to do. But I think what you're saying is interesting about working with people who are more established or like making that connection there, because I think it's important to work with people who want to be like participating in what you're doing, and it's not necessarily about how established or how well far along someone is in their career, if they're still interested in working in new projects, then that's a great thing. And I think that's just what you find more in people who are more emerging.
1: Absolutely, yeah, you're definitely right. That we it had would to... be nice
3: to see more emerge, like more established people interested
2: in yeah getting I mean, involved. That's definitely one of the advantages of not asking permission to photographers. Cause so, because like. I don't know, photographers like Robert Adams or like Jeff Wall or Stephen Shore, they make really contemporary images. You can put them next to someone who's just graduated from university and to have them side by side, you learn something about each one. And it's like a, it's a constant re-examination like, of each photographer. I think
1: that sort of communication or that sort of dialogue should be happening more often. But there's no real space for that because commercial galleries
2: won't do it. And then if the shows that you guys are doing, like if you emailed Jeff Wall, he wouldn't respond, I assume, or maybe you would, but you
0: certainly wouldn't feel comfortable asking. Yeah, it would be an interesting concept to approach that in that kind of mentality of Wandering Bears to like major artists and combine them with the artists that we've always pursued. Mm-hmm. because. It would be, like, a combination of the two. I I yeah. You know, Mark Parr or something. But I guess they yeah. would not be interested. I mean, we've tried to get... We've definitely tried to get I feel like we've had... I mean, just thinking back to the Weber show... I can't remember the list of names we had in it. Did we have Nico Grinko in it? Gringer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know he's not, like, a household name, but... Um, I, I feel... I, I guess I feel more satisfaction in, in picking someone out like that who is just doing what he's doing, he's got his thing going on, and then picking out someone who everyone knows about already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more interesting picking someone who, like, in a sense, has something to prove than someone who's been there, done that, and everyone's familiar with them. It's definitely more rewarding growing that artist with yourself as well. I think that's part of the whole appeal as well of helping these Establishing artists Is the idea That you're growing them in, in the same Tandem as you're growing As well I think that's Like a big It story. would be amazing right. To recontextualize Someone like Martin Parr's work Or something though And just Be like Mine You up for this And you would be like Yeah And <laughs> just <laughs> like Right We're gonna just right? Let us do our know. thing With it You know That would be That I mean, would be Kind of special Wouldn't
2: it I'm just saying All of this To just Have the discussion Because I totally am On the same page With you guys It's like the things I do at, at Delhi are on, on the same sort of.
0: What is that, Max?
2: Delhi? <laughs> for the listeners what? Uh, like, oh, Delhi Gallery is um, a space that I run myself okay. uh, in Long Island City, Queens. And I've been doing it for about a year and a half, coming up on two years. It was like pop up style before for the first three or four shows. And then recently, Um, maybe about five months ago I got a permanent space and so I've been doing like solo shows mostly mostly people's first solo shows um which is kind of what what I was about to say is like it is such a privilege and a special thing to like see an artist and believe in them and be so shocked and surprised that they've never had a solo show, and so you're like, uh, I want to do that with you, and of course they agree, or ho- hopefully they agree, and then
1: I don't know, you you grow together, sort of thing. Um, yeah,
3: I think that's really interesting, and in that what you say there is, I can completely relate to that, but in a different way in terms of like commissioning these people. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of people that I've admired like over the years like just followed them online and then got into the career that I'm doing now and being able to commission people and you can suddenly like work with the people that you've really admired and sometimes you discover that they haven't actually done an editorial commission ever but I think I mean yeah. it was my first but it was when I commissioned someone when I was like 21 it was his first commission as well so we kind of like and then i still work with him today like we continue to work together and like you you build that relationship with someone and i think it's exciting being able to work with someone in that way who hasn't necessarily got that much experience in it because you you just get so excited about what what that's gonna
2: produce. and you're not just excited but like you have something to share with each other like you have this sort of experience on that end and The artist has their own experience, and then you have this exchange, and it it becomes meaningful over time. I mean, one of the first artists that I showed at Delhi is a painter named Alexandria Tarver. And, you know, she had never had a solo show before, and she was, like, the first person that I showed at Delhi. And she has a show again in the fall. It'll be her second, but she's shown a lot since. She sold, like, a ton of paintings. She's becoming more famous and we're more recognized, but we have this sort of relationship together where I trust her and she trusts me. And we have, we have visits. We talk about painting. We talk about like art market. We talk about, you know, if some, she has like a consignment with a larger gallery. We'll like talk about how to go through that together. It's like this sort of bond that you have with someone,
1: which is honestly what I'm more interested in, I guess, than, running in galleries i just want to support
3: people yeah and it's funny how like you you have that kind of relationship and it grows and then you sort of become friends on facebook and then you share the work you've made <laughs> together and it's kind of funny because you become internet friends
2: yeah look at us yeah <laughs> here we are that's
0: how we made it
3: <laughs> but yeah i've kind of had that with a photographer who's based in texas called trey wright mm, um mm-hmm. Like I, I love his. work. Like, I worked with him when I was really young. Like, I was an intern, and I got to commission him, and he had done loads of stuff before. And like, since then we've shot everything from like weird food combinations to washing symbols and like, just loads of like, weird and crazy stuff, and now he's shot for like Stella McCartney. and it's just amazing to see that evolve like when it's been kind of over so many years.
1: Has Is he still live in Texas? so you've never met
3: no he sometimes sends me like like, he sent me a scarf recently it was printed with his oh
0: cool so cool but it's amazing that you can commission work from England to Texas
3: yeah I mean Uh, I kind of see no limit if you don't need to be there which I find like the reason you commission someone good is because you don't need to be too hands-on and like too overly directional and like sure Otherwise, you just get a studio photographer who's going to shoot whatever you want them to shoot. Like, I think being able to work with people who are creative, you don't need to be on set and then they can be in another country. It doesn't matter. That's exciting.
0: It's very exciting. But it must be also a little bit daunting at the beginning, the first time you commission someone else out on the other side of the world. Yeah. Because you have no idea what you're getting.
3: It definitely can go wrong, but you learn from that. And
0: I guess you've got to the take way, a gamble the way you say that. <laughs> it's, it's gone just, wrong a
3: few times. Mine is
0: just going through all the But then you just don't use wrong. those people again, I guess, so you have to take that risk.
3: I think you just figure out sometimes you're just not um, kind of right together. Yeah, <laughs> in sure. In terms of a, a pairing of a photo editor and a photographer.
0: And I suppose that's what makes it all the more rewarding. Yeah,
3: because it sometimes, work. if it, it works out every time, it would be boring. So,
1: How hard is it to you? I
0: was thinking about this with uh, our previous podcast, when you know someone, going back to that example, like Wallpaper and Thomas Brown, like you commission him, he's going to wash it out. It's going to be amazing for exactly what you want. How hard is it for you to choose new people, like new students? Um, Because I was kind of thinking as well when we are talking about when we do shows, I don't think we really use students anymore. We use people like Max that we know are going to deliver, it's going to be good, we use Tom Soutbrook, You know he's going to be good. I think we don't really use that many young people. Um, And we talk about saying that we are going to feature young photographers, but I don't think we do that as much now because we build these relationships Mm -hmm. with people. That have kind of grown up with us, and we kind of met them at a similar time when we were like 20, 21, and now we've, everyone's like becoming like 30, and we've grown. And we don't really look back, we look back at the younger people, but we don't really use them so much. So, how I- hard is it? I, don't know, I feel like I'm going back on everything that we just said. We've got to change our blurb on our website now. Yeah. yeah. Like no longer emerging photographers, middle aged photographers, yeah, thirty I years feel... old.
3: Basically you're getting on. Oh, are we
0: yeah, I think, I don't think we use the younger people. Though. But I think that's
3: when you if you want to, that's when you gotta yeah, take yeah. a take a chance. Yeah. I think like I would like to find more young people, but I've I have worked with a few that have like just graduated and yeah. Like, I pay them the same as another person. Like, they're doing a job. They're putting time in.
0: It's called the normal. (laughs) Normal,
3: Not normal, but the regular contributors, I think. But I think, you know, I think you can find, that's how you can find, like, those people that you continue to develop a relationship with and then work together into your career.
0: I I think it's growing up, isn't it? It's like, we've been, we're no longer the the graduates of 2011, you know, our first year in in the world and figuring it all out. We're now actually a bit more established than we were five years ago and we have a lot bigger database of people that we speak to and a lot more experience and people have seen what we've done for the past five years. So it's like that enables you to interact with more people As whereas five years ago when we were doing things, we were so new, we were so unknown that we had to target or just work with people who were on the same level as us and just wanted to get involved with something exciting. And I think it's just, you know, for me, it's an evolution. And the fact that we're able to work with, in inverted commas, bigger photographers and, you know, more established artists just... Is, is a progression of, of what we've become and, and how we do it. Do you guys ever think about inviting an outside curator to do something? Absolutely not. You're doing
2: a pitch back. <laughs> because I am available. I'm <laughs> cheap. Looking for I'm so cheap. Uh, no, just because, like, I don't know, like... Cheers. <laughs> I felt that on my legs, actually. <laughs> I just think about how the things we're talking about, like we curate via what's in our proximity and like our proximity is super limited. Um, and the only way in the art work, the art world is built on closed circles, basically. And the only way to break through those circles is to bring in someone else or bring in, or bring in another element. I mean, It's hard, I understand it's hard to, like, give up control, but some of the best times on latent image is, like, when I brought an outside curator in to spend a month or a week, and they would post people I've never heard of, and probably never will have ever heard of, Um,
0: because, like... I don't know. It can, yeah. it can it can become a closed feedback loop. Yeah, like, yeah. I think, I think I think we are quite open. I mean, if you look back to when we first started doing more established kind of blog posts, we were inviting uh, guest bloggers mm-hmm. to show work. So, like one, I remember one of the first ones I think was a, a real great success was uh, Charlie Eggman. and he did one because we did a we did the USA month. Okay, and uh, Charlie (laughs) was one of the bloggers, and he posted about a bunch of different artists, different things that he was seeing. He did drawings of his dad playing the piano or something like that. That Yeah, it was just so unique. And then, flash his parents, he has got the dad and the mom. Yeah, it it was so cool. And then, like, flash forward to the Weber show. We worked with Dominic Bell, who was um, who, who still works at Weber, and he sort of deals with a lot of the gallery side of, of the agency. And, you know, he was heavily involved with how that show ended up. And, you know, we had months of discussion of how we were going to show or conceive a new project. And he was, you know, he was right at the core of the whole printing on the big pieces of paper and loads of Instagram pictures. So I think... Um, I think we are really open to that extra person or group of people to really change the direction of mm-hmm. what we're doing and showing. I mean,
1: will you ever add mm-hmm. a bear? Is that, is that
2: a thing? <laughs> Can you? I'm, I, once again, I'm not inviting myself.
4: <laughs>
0: well, that's a good <laughs> question. I think it's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, like we would happily take you as a bear. Right? <laughs> but, like... That's sounding super cheesy, but I think that's kind of the whole idea is that it's always this, it's not just us three, it's so many more things than just the three of us. And that's at the core of all these projects is working with other people. And as Nick mentioned about the web show, that was working with Dom as well as a whole bunch of other people, Mm -hmm. such as yourself, contributing to the show. Um, Yeah, we heavily rely on other people. Like, That's absolutely key.
3: I think that's definitely where something can become from good to amazing. It's like where you realise that you might think you have good ideas, but you've got to realise that other people have good ideas too. When you put those things together, you have great ideas. So I think it is hard as a creative sometimes to realise that and to allow other people in. It can be quite, you know, like I've got a really good idea, I'm going to run with it. So I think that, I mean, you guys have that naturally in the fact that you work collaboratively, collaboratively always as the three of you, yeah, you know,
0: I remember, at least. Yeah, I remember at uni, one of our tutors, I um, can't remember what it was, there was one project at university where they were considering all different students to apply for this project. And uh, the tutor mentioned one of the students and I remember one of her criticisms or feedback was this particular student, she said that they weren't that willing to collaborate and wasn't that open-minded about other people working with their images, which doesn't necessarily necessarily sound like such a big deal, but I think it's such an important virtue to have as a photographer to be open-minded to people working with your images and trusting people to interpret your work in a new way. I think that's such a great quality to have to, to allow people to do that. And I remember that was the first time where I thought, well, yeah, maybe we, we just kind of take it for granted that we are quite open to that whole kind of concept. And I think it is such an important thing. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, because if you're like a solo artist and you've had this amazing career or whatever, and then you go and show a piece of work at the Tate and you, you have to work with a curator. And it's like the way you're going to get the best out of that show is if you work collaboratively with that curator as opposed to you trying to tell the curator i will like this what's the point of the curator yeah you know they they're
1: there for a yeah. specific role yeah i mean curators i don't know I don't You've it's really some bad experience <laughs> the curator
2: no i mean just just my background of like working in commercial galleries for the past 6 years curators the, artists are number one and so curators can have a vision um, but if a curator doesn't know what they're doing then an artist can like supersede that instantly um, Absolutely. If, like, if, if someone like I don't know someone like like Charles Ray or like Jeff Koons has an idea for a space then the curator suddenly doesn't know anything, and then they like working collaboratively is a like a generous term for how they would be working at that point.
0: I don't know. Maybe it's just by couch. But I, th- I think that's what you I need guess. to find. And I'll, I'll go back to this the name that we mentioned already, Dominic Bell for like Weber. Is like you know maybe I don't know what he w- he would like to be called. You know we had him on the first podcast, and we introduced himself as. But you know I th- I think one of his key skills is he is a curator and. When working with him, he was coming up with some ideas that were just completely in a different league compared to some of the stuff we were thinking about. And he was, even if he wasn't saying like, "Let's do it like this," he was just introducing us to an idea. And I think like that was just on such a high level that you know I, I think it's like if you're making a book and you're working with someone who's editing your book and suggesting ways that you can edit your book that you hadn't thought about, even though you've done the edit, um, mm-hmm. is it is like bringing it to a new level.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think um, it's like a- anything, you know, like me and Luke, we, if we work like commercially on a shoot and we're doing our thing and then the art director will suggest something and it be something good, then it could take that element that we're doing to the next level. So I think... You know, going back to the curator, if you have a really inspiring innovative (laughs) need to stop using that word. (laughs) Innovative. But sometimes I just gotta say that word. Innovative? And that's the word. Okay. Um, you know, then you're working together to make it even better. (laughs) 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 I'll try to stop saying that
2: word.
1: You you make it harder on yourself, I think, the English accent. You don't. in the US it's innovative. here it's innovative.
3: Innovative.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> too, too many eyes. We pretend the
1: other eyes in A. Innovative. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just
3: should stop saying that.
1: <laughs> That's the dyslexia kicking in there. I can hold a
0: little fours. So everyone have a sip of their beer. We're going to do some bunny voices. So what are you working on at
3: the moment,
0: Anna? Um, I'm working on two different things. I feel like... Secrets. Why do we think it's secret? <laughs> Does it always <laughs> feel like it has an element of secretiveness?
3: No, not it's... at all. We're not like... You know, if we're on a shoot, we'll kind of videos and snapchat and like let the crew put things on instagram is not really like a an element of no you can't put this out this is under embargo or anything like that because working like to a digital time scale is so different to working in print and i think being able to shoot something and then the next week you're like this is going online then that's just so nice i think
0: do you find that more exciting yeah definitely
3: it more immediate yeah i i mean i prefer working in digital by a mile, just in mm-hmm. the fact that you can, if you have a great idea you can just do it, and if you decide next week that it wasn't a great idea, that's fine because it's already happened and you can change what you do next time, whereas it's in print and it's kind of set.
0: So by that same sentiment, do you feel that it's less, kind of, in of like important? Or do you feel it's on the same level I mean, as print?
3: I mean, I'd say it's so much more important than print, because Anything on the internet is continually archived. It's never going away, unless you delete it. Something in, in, you know, in the weekly magazine you get on the chew, people are going to read it for like two days maybe, but then it's, it's definitely in the bin. It's not, unless you cut the pages out, which mm-hmm. I have done before. <laughs> <laughs> but um, most of the time, print publications are disposed It's
0: off. a lot harder to get back, isn't it, if you're like, oh, that was cool even in standard so yeah like, you just can't
3: remember it and it's well, normally something.
0: gone does, r- whereas, does like, Refinery have a
2: print? no As, does it have a history of having
3: um, there's elements that have happened uh, to be in print okay. before so often like commercial projects mm-hmm. or we did a street style book um, but quite different to the online content that we produce mm-hmm. and I think the, the great thing about working online is that if you wanted to share something on your facebook page from like five years ago you can <laughs> so whereas that process if you wanted to dig something up so to speak from something that was in print it would be much harder like get your phone out take pictures scan and you know, that just wouldn't i think like yeah people say the internet's disposable whereas it's completely opposite it's like the biggest archive i think possible
0: for me what sounds really exciting about what you do is you have so much more freedom in the sense that if you... You can just come up with an idea one day or one night or whatever and you can kind of propose that to one member of your team and it sounds like if it's a good idea, it's not necessarily that hard to make it happen. Whereas maybe with a magazine, you'd have to jump through a lot more hoops to make that actually happen. Yeah. I it think It sounds that's... like it's a lot more organic in that sense.
3: It's definitely true. I think there is a lot of ability to just test and learn, like try new things. And we, we work in a very non-hierarchical process where if a couple of people strongly believe in an idea, then we'll make it happen. And it doesn't have to be agreed by everyone to be able to do it. And we've had some terrible ideas. And thankfully, like enough people have voiced their opinion that like they are bad ideas. But if there's a few of us that feel really strongly about it, we will go ahead and see how it goes really like
2: and when when you say test and learn or a good idea or a bad idea these are gauged via analytics or
3: no not at all i think traffic is always there it's like something that will be talked about every day but it's not an indicator of success at
1: all so so some
2: like an article's like intrinsic value is is more or equal importance as like Clicks.
3: yeah i think what you get from a website is uh obviously there's a big part of it that's run on traffic which means growth of the of the brand and that's like a long-term thing like
4: yeah. the more
3: traffic you get the bigger you grow then mm-hmm. the better things you can do but also there's credibility so there's certain things that just aren't gonna perform well but sure they're important to do like certain subjects will never perform but you go onto the home page and you don't want to just see like clickbait, basically. Clickbait, it's yeah.
0: I And as soon as you can recognise something as clickbait, you say it's it, it goes down as it just goes <laughs> down a notch in my appreciation for that particular outlet.
3: I mean, the thing is that it's the internet much. is clever, and like Facebook has introduced an algorithm that means that they're going to stop. So much clickbait appearing on your feed. So things like what this no. is gonna surprise you. I never believe that. No, no, I'm sorry.
2: It, Fuck Facebook. Like it, they're they just like a capitalist regime. They're never going to have some sort of organic feed. It's based on clicks and paid advertisements. Bottom line.
3: That's absolutely true. But there's certain content that they want to put on that's better than others. I think no website wants to. Be and Facebook of...
2: defi- decides that.
3: There's certain words that are becoming a no go.
2: I'm not arguing with you. I'm
0: arguing with Facebook.
3: I think it's smart. Like, why would a company not want to put better content out?
0: But I guess the point is that to an extent it's censored. It's what they deem to be important, which isn't how the internet works. It's like all about freedom of speech and
3: things. But on a basic level, it's stopping. Websites just being one hundred
0: percent clickbait. By using nice the same headlines. <laughs> still getting nice
1: and uneasy. Well, well like we'll see. <laughs> it's it's been
2: confusing to me and maybe this is my own personal experience and why it's tainted, but like when I mean Latent Image has a Facebook page and it had five hundred likes and of course Facebook is really good about telling you how many people see your post. And they like 50% of my likes would see the post at that number. And now they need just like some, whatever, like between three and 4,000. And the number has gone down. Like, I don't understand the correlation between more people showing, and I've never like bought likes. I've never purchased viewers. I, I don't understand the correlation between more, literally 10 times more people showing interest in seeing the content and literally 10, time, 10 times less
0: people being able to see it. So I think that since they introduced, because we have the same thing on our page, and I think that since they introduced, <clears throat> I don't know what you would call it, an algorithm or whatever, since it's, they determined the pages that you interact with more are the ones that appear more often on your newsfeed. Yeah. So unless you engage with it more and more, then you're exposed to it more.
1: But I think Which on a, is
0: a self-fulfilled... Was it self-fulfilled? No. I don't know. But it's something that just kind of <laughs> makes itself worse or whatever. The more you engage, the more you see it. So you can't really interact with these mm-hmm. new pages that you follow.
3: But I think, like, on a really... Like, that's true, but I think on a very basic level, something that has a very small following is normally more engaged because those people the small pool of people that like that page have gone to like it not because it's big but because they want to like it and i think smaller things get much higher engagement than bigger things because sometimes people just click like on a big page because they think oh i need to follow vice because it's important because they're a big brand rather than like i actually want to see their posts whereas like the beginning of the latent image is like a very Probably quite a close knit group of people yeah. that have been featured on it, or no people who have been featured on it, and they're more engaged. I think when things get bigger, they get, definitely get watered down.
2: I mean, I think it's also because the way Facebook is structured is that, you know, I make a post and it goes, I mean, there's four people other than me at this table, it goes to you four people. And if, you know, you're on vacation, you're not so into that photograph, you like, you know, you slept in that morning and you like it like you're the only reason that it goes on like if if no one here is mm-hmm. is actively i mean they can tell when you're looking at it they can tell when you like it they can tell when you click on it to make it bigger if no one if, if no one engages with it it dies there like that's the end of it which doesn't it that that doesn't make sense to me in terms of like i have 4000 likes or whatever Like, and these four people at this table just decided whether another 100, 200 people see this post.
3: But then, like, these websites have to move on, don't they? Them being just, like, everything that's new in order, like how it used to be.
2: Yeah, I am, yeah, I'm sympathetic with that. It's like, you have, you know, 2,000 Facebook friends, like, you're not going to see every single post from them.
1: And would you want to?
2: It would be overwhelming, and you probably... Lose track of more content. So I I mean, this, this is this is my argument. It's like I don't know the solution, but Facebook is making an environment in which they can profit
3: from the solution. Yeah, and I think we're ready for something else for sure. I think like it's not it's never good to have one massive monster that takes over the internet, which is Facebook right now. Like there isn't really another platform that's like sharing content as much i think we're ready
1: no one's making money on facebook everyone's making money on youtube
3: but youtube is video exactly. whereas is like, like if we're thinking about it's true
2: youtube's pay structure is, yeah, one, of, like, is one of the best things on second
3: most
0: popular website on the internet as, as one p or one cent per view <laughs> yep. in some very small way facebook you get 10 million likes and you're not making anything unless people click through to your website sure so, once Facebook can make that transition to being a paying platform.
3: But what if you just don't, you're not into videos? YouTube, you
0: know? No. What do you mean, what if YouTube... It's like,
3: personally, YouTube? I never go to YouTube, ever. So what's oh, interesting
0: sense. about that... Probably yeah, once yeah. every
3: six weeks, I click on YouTube.
0: But what's interesting about that is I just read, only last week, that Facebook's shares have gone up significantly. And that's because they have essentially just completely banked on video. And they are absolutely pushing video. I mean
3: video on Facebook is huge. And Refined, if you post video does it you're make gonna be video? Yeah. What so they, we have how do they host? We have certain Facebook pages that are just video. Facebook. Facebook. But also YouTube online yeah. site. Um, but definitely Facebook is pushing video. So
0: yeah. Sorry, every video now has I never have the sound on, on anything on Snapchat, on Instagram video, on Facebook, and it just has like the subtitles on it. And that's a
3: big push though, yeah. yeah? that's
0: like in the last six months has been like a massive.
3: People push. are making video that doesn't need sound
0: yeah, because people,
3: we want to watch it when we're with a group of friends. Yeah,
0: or just when you're at work. Yeah, it's just realising and adapting to what the viewer needs. But I mean, I think Facebook's only going to grow and grow with their whole push toward of, what is it, like, worldwide internet via those drones mm-hmm. that are going everywhere,
2: they're just absolutely banking on... Are
0: airplanes. they drones? Uh um, well, they're gonna... What, hot they hot the air balloons? Yeah, satellites, drones, and then, like, Goddamn huge glider, paper. solar power glider, internet providers.
2: Sure, they give the internet, maybe they take your, you know, cell phone data, maybe they take your information where you are, yeah,
0: yeah, see where you live, see where you
2: sleep, subsidize
0: that city city no. <laughs> I, I swear I'm not a
2: conspiracy theorist we were but... kind of
3: talking about that with Pokemon Go like if they I mean they're collecting data that means that people
0: up everyone's
3: where right you've walked yeah. every single day while you've had the app going like what your camera's seen inside your house
2: they in the scenario is the company itself yeah, or the United. the Go. government Donald
1: Trump <laughs>
3: Well, I guess the, the company has collected that data, and they will, uh, Sell it. in oh. the end, do what they want with it. But they Which have got so much data from mm. people.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't you speak Donald Trump's name in my presence? <laughs> 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 I'm just, I'm <laughs> just, uh, spark the conversation. Do we, let's bring this back in. Uh, what Psst. is going on at the gallery in the next six months? <laughs> the rest of this year. Um, I've got shows
2: planned through the end of this year. Um, right now is a photographer named Sean D. Henry Smith. He's a photographer and a poet. Um, he lives up in Syracuse and works at Lightwork, which you guys should put on your radar if it's not.
1: Uh, it's run um, through, through the university, but they have residencies up there. And he
2: he wrote his first chapbook of poetry, and it won an award, and it was published, and he needed an event to release it at, so we had it at the gallery, and he made some really incredible photographs of his hair. And the opening was the day before I left to go on my vacation. The opening was so in- incredible and beautiful, um, we had some readings of his work and two other people's work, and yeah, it was it was great. I was brought to tears by how
1: like powerful and in- and intense. Just the environment and you know the content, of course. And then this fall, the first show is
2: a photographer named John Edmonds. Do you guys know his work? Just graduated from Yale. Um, he has been getting some press recently because of his photographs of men in, in hoods um, with, like, most of their face covered. Um, but he's a, he's a, he's, he's a photographer, photographer from D.C., and he got his M.F.A. from Yale. His show is going to be opening in September to coincide with the art book fair which is, like, a big time for Delhi because the space is, like, down the street from where the art book fair is. so it's a busy time. Busy time, Um, which is when I had Thomas Alpdorf's show last year, and that opening was really great. So I'm I'm hoping that people come through again. And
0: then
2: the next show is Alexandria Tarver, who's the painter that I was talking about before. And then Camilla Engstrom, Who's a painter, I think she's gonna be showing some drawings. And then uh, in December is another photographer
1: named Athena Tori, who you guys might know. Done some book. She just did a book with conveyor. She's got a really famous photograph of like
2: a hand that's been that has like one finger that's chopped off that's been sewn back on.
1: There's, like oh, that photographs
2: one. of like blocks of wood she, um she's not from ecuador but her, her family's from ecuador and she's making new work about earthquake that happened there a few months ago and then she went down to visit and they had a volcano explode and she made all this incredible work about that um, which she showed me like videos
1: of i don't know if you've seen a volcano exploding <laughs> but it's incredible uh yeah Sounds like you're pretty busy. Sounds like you got a yeah. sort full
0: of agenda. The good kind of busy, though. Yeah. It, it, it feels really good. How does it work with the gallery? Do people approach you? And...
2: Um, lately, I've been getting some people approaching me. Um, but just things are a bit set right now. I, I, I kind of have a specific vision for the first few years
1: that I don't think... I mean, things happen organically, um, but I, of course, encourage people to email and approach me, but I don't think, like, that's not really...
2: Seems to have a pretty good plan for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just my style is just, like, it, it ties into the blog, too, of, like, this intense system of bookmarks and folders and, like... Going to things and writing things down and like following up with people and doing studio visits and like constantly checking in with people.
0: Is that your full time thing? You just have the gallery. Do you do anything on the side? I've got, is... I've
2: got a Monday through Friday job too. Yeah. So what do you do that? What's up? I work uh, for a guy who's opening his own gallery. He was a partner at a, a blue chip gallery in New York. And then left a year ago to start his own space. So it's just me, him, and like a person who does research. Um, So it's really similar to what I do at Delhi in terms of like finding a space and making the first few years of shows and like finding out how to get people in the door and like making your own brand, your own identity. But he's um,
0: he's got a lot of money.
2: And I, I don't have a lot of money.
0: <laughs> How does that work when, you're, say, you choose a photographer or an artist to do a show? How do you divide that up? Because when we've done shows before, there's this kind of a lot of time where no one really knows who's paying for things. And you're a bit like, are they paying for it? Are we paying for it? How, do you have, like, a, a strategy? Um or do you have funding of any kind?
2: I have no funding. It, it's all my money. And I don't have much money and what money I do I do I do put into Delhi just because I like it um and I think it's important but because of my background in blue chip galleries I know what a gallery should pay and I know what a gallery should help with uh in terms of like production and shipping and like press and like opening stuff you know like I would never, ever charge an artist to show at Delhi. I think that's the most fucked up thing you can do.
0: Um,
2: if so I, what request a fee for them to be in the space? Yeah. Like, if you're having a show, if I've invited you to have a show, um, <laughs> I'm not going to make you pay for it. Like, that seems crazy. On top of production. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, there's, I mean... Maybe it doesn't sound so shocking to you, but there's such a culture for that in New York. It's like you invite someone to have a show in your space and then you charge them $800 a night or something
1: exorbitant that barely any normal human being can afford. Do people pay that? Yeah, totally. And I mean... mean, that's part
2: of the reason why I have a permanent space for Delhi now, because I was one of those people who would pay for like a week. I'd pay like a thousand dollars for a week to be in a space
1: because I had no alternative, you know, and I wanted to show work. Um, but yeah, being in like a blue chip space, you know, you like, I don't know, its it's boring to talk about money, but,
2: you know, the... The breakdown of what a gallery should cover and what an
0: artist is expected to pay for. What does a uh, B-chip space mean to describe that? Like, um, what, commercial? Commercial? and selling to bigger, like, massive companies? Or just a commercial, is that just a commercial gallery? Companies and
2: billionaires and, like, people who sell, like, Jasper Johns and, like, Jeff Koons and Damien Harris, like, things where... The value of the object often
1: exceeds the, um, the artistic importance of it. I mean, that's like a super cool. Making work to sell work. Um, selling work because it's valuable. I mean, the artists operate outside of the system. Like, um, working at Matthew Marks, I
2: had the pleasure of working with Ellsworth Kelly for the last three years of his life. And he, if you asked him what his paintings were worth, he wouldn't know. He wouldn't know. But like... Like the material, worth? No, like if you, if you walked into his studio and said, I love this, can I buy it? You'd be like, talk to Matthew. Matthew Marks. You'd be like, you have to talk to him. Like, he has no idea. Same thing with Jasper Johns. like. Jasper basically knows that it's worth a lot, but the difference between like 3 million and 10 million, and I don't mean to sound like calloused or douchey saying these numbers, but like that's what these things are worth. That's like what I'm talking about. With Surely
3: like, they know when they get paid how much they're
2: worth. <laughs> I don't think that they do. I don't think that they do. Uh, it, it, it's, it's beyond.
0: Next level, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to talk about, it's really weird to talk about, but it must be an amazing insight as someone running a kind of small gallery to understand that. And yeah, from other people we've met that have worked in a similar fields, it like helps you rather, rather than like say when we're doing a quote as like photographers yeah. or as a collective, you just don't know, you're just getting you're just shooting in the dark, but as someone mm-hmm. that's Kind of i been through that really, like, commercial kind of world, and are going into this art world, obviously you have to step back a couple of million, but you at least <laughs> know the system, you know how it works. Yeah. How to approach it. I approach guess. It it. Kind of. It's, it's a different league, I think.
2: And I prefer to operate in, like, the league where, basically, I want to price something at whatever you can afford. Like, I... The things at Delhi are priced for my audience, which my audience is like people like me, which they don't have disposable income. So if I want someone to buy something,
0: you have to consider that. Do you ever feel that sometimes you could be like, maybe we could put like another zero on this? And someone <laughs> must zero. buy it. No. <laughs> no. But is there, there's a never that temptation to like kind of push it a little bit and then just see, and then,
1: like, have you ever done that?
0: That's Um again, going back to you know, when like the three of us do quotes on our individual jobs, you're writing that in or the quote and you're just like, right, okay, what are we gonna do? And then you're like, maybe we'll do this <laughs> and then sometimes people go for it, other times they don't. Yeah. yeah I mean pricing is all about audience. Yeah.
2: I think if yeah. You're, if, you, yeah if, if you're doing you're a quote audience, if you're doing a quote for a friend, then yeah. Or if you're doing a quote for, like, Woolrich or, like, I don't know, yeah, whatever, 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 like, large company. I don't know why I said Woolrich. <laughs> <laughs> are, they, are they your top? Is that you arguing for? I'm, I'm being paid to mention Woolrich in <laughs> this podcast. Uh, yeah. Sponsored by. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the most organic way to bring up Woolrich three <laughs> times. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's just pure... Purely based on audience.
0: But maybe it's different when you're like selling someone else's work because we sell our own work. Mm. Maybe you're more inclined to push the limits when it's your own Mm -hmm. than when it's someone else's. I don't know. What's it like being on the other end of it, you know, where like
2: you receive a quote from someone and you either like that's so low, like, you should, you should have asked for more. I can't believe it. Like...
3: I mean, it's, it's funny because it doesn't normally work that way. Because um, we have, like, most of the time we have a budget, and then that is what we have to work with. And I'll normally try and uh, allocate as much as I can uh, in terms of what the job is. And, but we, we never can really have the luxury of being like, how much will you charge for this? Mm. because more often than not there's just no point in asking because people will always quote way higher than what you've got. So you've got to sort of like find I think well it depends I'm talking from an editorial perspective so this is like talking about content that doesn't make money this isn't commercial content it's not branded it's not to do with brands Um, this is purely like ideas based so like if we want to shoot I think we're talking about the same thing. Like obviously you, you pay people for their time but it's not
1: Money, you know what
0: I mean, in mm-hmm. this world. You don't go to someone and say, How much will it cost for X, Y, and Z? You say, This is what I got, can you do it?
3: Yeah, I mean,
0: that seems that, like a more practical conversation. I, I would know. like
3: to be able to offer people to ask what they've got, but it's just there's just not that ability in the editorial world. It's not advertising where there's sort of a, a much more uh, set rate for things. It's sort of just like if the idea is good. And this is what you've got to work with. It's like is someone up for that or not? And if they're not, then next time. Take it or leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much.
0: So uh something I think would be interesting to ask you guys is uh we've done this feature on the website where we do these five questions with uh photographers or whoever, and then the last question is often the biggest photo error that they have in their profession it would be
1: interesting to hear. Error? Yeah. So you can interpret that way, that any which way you want. You can have a minute
0: to think about it. Doesn't to be like a photo error you took, making a photo? More, more professional, professional like, error. Professional error. Like one thing that's like, I think people who are listening to this who are finding their way in the profession and it's always nice to hear when someone fucks up. or even if you're a professional when you're just laughing at someone else going I did that too I did the same thing yeah. (laughs) so we had this guy who on the videos on the website he shot the band MGMT and he said he did double exposures and then he was using like a rangefinder and then he had the lens cap on for the photos so it just (laughs) didn't come out that was a pretty good example Yeah. and also an album cover he shot got voted the worst album cover of the year Wow. It was great. It
1: was just so no, He was just counting about it. it was can't talk those. Was okay. good.
3: I mean, I could probably go ahead with mine. Just thought of it. Go.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> it.
3: I think I was working on a, on a fashion editorial, and I was working with a photographer who was shooting on film, and even though she had two 35mm film cameras, for some reason, one of the looks we shot just didn't, it didn't come out at all. So... The, the shoot was meant to be going live on like a Thursday and it was when, it was the day before, it was like the Wednesday. And I had to somehow suddenly get the model, recall in the outfit that she was wearing and shoot it myself in a back street in Soho, which is completely different to the location we've been shooting in, which was like London Fields in East um, Victoria Park. And yeah, so I had to suddenly shoot one of the looks from a fashion editorial. And I wasn't really sure the photographer was happy. Having her name on it with my, some of my photos in there.
0: <laughs> so you didn't get the credit at all? You didn't no. get an assistant credit?
3: Yeah, I tried to make it sort of the same as the rest of the stuff. Are so you
0: going to name and chain? Uh, no. no. <laughs> Keep it a secret. Google that. Mystery. Some way.
1: Victoria Park. This wasn't. Yeah, Victoria yeah. Park
0: shoot. Anna J on LinkedIn. I'll
3: just, this just was... Google around. In the job before the job I have now, so this was not a refinery, was it was a deep room. Oh, there
1: you go. Oh.
3: That's a clue. Getting
1: closer. <laughs> Max, have you got anything?
4: Hmm.
1: We can give
0: you more time. Pete, you can do yours. Like... <laughs> I I, when we've talked about this before, I don't really feel like I have anything. Pete's made like, no errors. Like, Is probably... it the
2: most arrogant thing to be like. I think that's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, perfect.
0: I've never, like, deleted. <laughs> I just feel every day I just mess something up, and then it's. But it's not even like just, <laughs> just do failure wrong. in everyday life. Like every day I do something wrong. It's really small, but in my head it builds up to be something really big. And not sure. like photo wise, just more doing sale prices wrong on websites. Really, really exciting stuff. Yeah, Nick did uh, one not too
1: long ago,
0: maybe two months ago. I feel like it was possibly both of our biggest first in one night. We were shooting like a bunch of like celebrities, big uh, celebrities, big celebrities, and celebs, B- um, celebrities. We, yeah, they were more celebrities, <laughs> and uh, we only had like maximum like two minutes with each person. It was like real quick, quick shooting. We also had our own private bar backstage, so that was contributing to the situation. <laughs> And then I did a shoot. It was all like pretty stressful when they came into frame and we had to do our
4: thing. And I was shooting them, shooting them, shooting them. Yeah, it's great.
0: Um... And then uh, I looked at the photos and I said to oh, Nick, "That wasn't then we got." And then, uh, Where's my biggest photo? Because it was two, two minutes later. <laughs> I don't remember it. You had the same situation, <laughs> but what was funny about my situation was Nick told the creative director he quickly sent this. Be ah the, the memory card corrupted, and that was obviously a load of rubbish. I just didn't have a memory card. And then two minutes later, Nick did a shoot and then his memory card didn't actually. Corrupt. <laughs>
3: Thank you. The boy that cried. So
0: up. I did have a memory card in the camera. <laughs>
2: but they didn't come out so they had three photos they didn't come out it was pretty funny yeah it pretty funny <laughs> I, I remember seeing you guys go to this shoot <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting hearing this story how badly
4: you did <laughs> uh, it, was thing, it? it was a good
0: shoot but... 90% of the photos came <laughs> out it was just oh, a, a cool so, 10% yeah. that yeah. didn't but we managed to blag our way that's what you do in most, most areas of no. the field. I'm trying to think of things I've done when I've assisted these guys on like a shoot. I'm just driving around when we're in Barcelona, driving like a people carrier with like 10 people in the car. And then I'm just trying to use like Ding's phone as like a sat And then just driving around in circles going the wrong way like four times and just laughing the whole time. And then if, if it was with someone else, like a I was going to say a proper photographer. but uh, <laughs> if someone that's not your friends, like, you'd be fired instantly. I was just driving around, just laughing. Well, it's all right for you, because you're just laughing at the front, and me and Luke are the ones having to smooth it over with the client at the back I'm going, just... ah, yeah, I think we're just, you know, he's just taking a little detour here. It's all right, but we'll get there in the end. But when I think back, I'm like, so, not embarrassed, but I'm just like, I can't believe we've kind of got away with doing that. Embarrassed is the right
1: word. Yeah, but I'm just embarrassed
0: about doing it. Just like little things like that. You must have dropped a frame of the Ellsworth Kelly Kelly picture. Sneezed. Smashed it and Uh, hit it. Toilet. Or talk talks about someone. who thought you put the phone down, but you didn't actually put the phone down. You didn't put your white gloves on before you picked up a picture or something.
2: <laughs> Did you do a his Mother? Have you I, you Mr. B. I it? couldn't <laughs> think of anything. And then now all these suggestions have brought r- back really painful memories you of so many names. things. <laughs> like Mrs. <laughs> Z and uh, Mrs. S. <laughs> um, you can call them out as well. Just like nothing to do with deli or latent image because... Like someone tarnish who, that brand. Like, no, but God like, reset. like who am I gonna be and like embarrassed to like myself? I guess know. <laughs> definitely myself. But um,
0: yeah, I guess it's more when you do it in front of someone.
2: I mean, there have been times when I was I, like, I was hanging a show for Delhi, and I was like trying to lift a six-foot painting by myself because I have a hard time asking people for help. And I dropped it and, like, had this ping of fear that I had
1: ruined the thing. But that's not even that embarrassing. Um, I don't know. It's the only thing I can think of is, like, it
2: was my maybe first week at Matthew Marks Gallery, and I was in charge of, like, getting the the artist Bryce Martin to his his own opening. And I was supposed to, like schedule a car to pick him up and I accidentally sent it to because he lives on a street in New York that's called St. Luke's and I just I had scheduled the driver to go to St. Luke's Hospital which is like maybe 30 minutes away <laughs> and so this really famous and important artist basically didn't show up to his opening <laughs> because I sent the car to the wrong yeah. place and, and anyway, to like
0: you know, I don't know. He can't get into a cab by himself, basically. Um, Did anyone know that it was your mistake?
1: Oh, everyone? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I said sorry, big That's a good one.
2: <laughs> but that,
1: yeah, that's just like, just being dumb. Yeah, that's all about, <laughs> all about making those mistakes. Cool. Well, I think that's good. That was really nice. A lot of conversation. Yeah. That's good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Anything else?
3: Anything else? Thank
0: you, Anna. Any Just leave it on our biggest errors. Biggest, any shout outs? You got any shout outs?
2: www.latinimage.coder.ukus forward slash. Uh, www, sorry, A few too many beers here. <laughs> www.latinimage.us. God bless the USA. And then deligallery.com. The Instagram, so the Instagram shout-out. Uh, Leighton Image and deligallery
1: nyc. Anna? Hashtag? Where can people find you on Instagram?
3: Um, so you can find me, Anna Rose J, and then you can find www.refinery29.uk and then refinery29.uk. Why are you guys doing the
0: www Because otherwise you don't know something on the mate. Com. is there any other w- prefix www w- 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 G- G- yeah, yeah just.com. com you can figure out that means right? uk just google so if, it I, like if google. I just go refinery UK,
3: you'll find it why do you say oh what are you google? talking about a,
0: p- a letter post address yeah it's a snail mail. have you listened to other podcasts if i just do just google it it's on adverts it's just like google renault cars Straight away. Well, if first, we're saying that, we just say Google day. Anna J. Yeah. Just Google. Don't. The
3: Gravestone, probably.
0: <laughs> just Google. <laughs> Alice the <refinery. in> Wonderland. <laughs> Never. The big
3: Alice
0: in Wonderland No. no. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. All thank right. So, good night, listeners. Um, or good Thursday. morning. Depending on where you listen to it in the world.
1: Wandering Bears podcast.